Hey, what's up, everyone? This is your host, Lauren Leslie, with the Design Tribe podcast based out of beautiful Birmingham. In this episode, I go live with Carmen Pitts, who is a designer originally from South Africa, and she's having a little bit of trouble just navigating the world of textile design in a brand new country in the U.S., So if you're wondering how to get started as a textile designer, then this episode is for you because I'm sure you have a lot of the same questions that she has. So as a reminder, we do go live in the Design Tribe Facebook group. So if you'd like to participate in our live calls, be sure to join the Facebook group and you will need to answer all three questions to be able to join. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash design tribe Lauren Leslie. All right, I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive into the episode. Okay, and we're live. Okay, perfect. Yay. (laughs) Well, Carmen, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone and kind of uh, maybe tell everyone a little bit of your background um, coming from South Africa and then now being in the U.S.? and. Okay, so um, I graduated from uh, the University of Pretoria um, with a textile degree in textile design and technology. And at the time that I graduated, um, I worked for probably about two years in the industry there. And uh, with the South African government allowing the Chinese imports to come in, the textile Uh, industry basically collapsed in South Africa. So majority of us that were designers started to fall in on our second careers, which is graphic design. So for the last 15 odd years, that's what I've been doing. And um, about three years ago, almost to the day, my husband and I made the decision, he's a US citizen, and we made the decision to come over to the States um, for multitude of different reasons. Um, and I sort of found myself in a position of, um, being a stay at home mom and settling our family in and taking a step back from my career. And I've gotten to a point now this year through multiple things happening in my life where I'm like, I have an opportunity now to really look for something that I really, that I'm passionate about, that I really want to do. And for as long as I can remember and chatting to friends of mine from varsity and stuff, Um, I've always said, you know, I really want to get back into textile design. It's something that I am passionate about. For years, I've been doodling and doing mandalas and drawing and, you know, I am pattern obsessed. Um, Mm -hmm. Which are are beautiful, by the way, for anyone who's watching, you should go check out her mandalas and everything. They're super intricate and just, she's talented. (laughs) Thank you. So I, yeah, I've, um, I've, I've been doing that and I now find myself in, with this opportunity to actually get started and rekindling my textile design career. So, you know, I've got all the knowledge of how to, how to set up a portfolio, how to do pattern repeats, you know, the rules, half drop, full drop, you know, all that kind of stuff that computers nowadays do them for. I used to do that all by hand. <laughs> See, that's, in, that's inspiring to me. I think that's really cool. But Yes. And I can tell you like, yeah, warp, it, weft, you know how to also do it up. on the computer though. <laughs> yes. So yes, okay. I've got all that knowledge, but coming from um, an environment where the industry number one collapsed and number two is almost non-existent, you know, not being exposed because of apartheid and all that kind of stuff to the international market as well. Cause South Africa, you got to remember was like a bubble for a really long time. 
Hmm. And it's, it's taken decades for us to kind of get out of and into the international market. Hmm. Um, so, you know, me being full knee deep into my graphic design career, I didn't explore any textile opportunities because there were none. Um, so now coming here to the States and having this opportunity, um, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to start looking at stuff. And I came across your website and your Facebook page. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, <laughs> here's somebody that I really want to chat to. So, you know, my biggest questions are not about how to set up your business or how to design. It's like, how do you break into the market? Like that is, that is like, um, yes. Yes. So I think the, I guess the benefit of being in the U.S. now is that there's a huge appetite for uh, textile yes. design and fashion design. And there really has never been a better time to be a designer, I don't think, um, in terms of just people I think are now really appreciating the creativity and kind of, I don't know, I feel like there are a lot of like niche markets for all different yes. kinds of personalities. And um, yeah, so okay, okay. So I have a question about when the Chinese markets took over in South Africa, were the textile companies exclusively working with uh, what the designs that they were providing because so, I, the actual, even the textile mills and, and you know, there weren't huge mills like you guys know here. I mean, there were probably about four or five big mills in South Africa that used to employ textile designers as well as use freelance designers. I worked for a company that did bed linen exclusively for all your big um, sort of your home, home interior chains. And at some point in time, um, you know, what we would do is we would design in South Africa and then send our designs to places like Pakistan or China, <clears throat> excuse me, or China. And even that started depleting because we had such a high level of copying and, you know, um, just outright um, plagiarism of designs and stuff like that. It, it became, you know, as a freelance designer, I remember working in, a, in, in an environment where, uh, bosses would come to me and say, here's a whole bunch of designs that, that uh, one of our clients gave us that they had purchased from freelance designers. And we were basically told to copy them. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. So the whole infrastructure of textile design and as a designer, it just kind of went away because it was cheaper for the companies that did manage to weather the, the you know, the sort of your bigger companies um, it was cheaper for them to buy designs from the Chinese market and from everywhere else overseas than what it was to buy from a freelance designer or to even employ a textile designer. Um, then you've got like this, this beautiful little revolution. There, there are a couple companies that sustain themselves. Um, uh, the one I think is called uh, the Design Team Fabrics. Um, and also, um, there's another one who I actually work for, Carol Nevin Designs. Um, they're sort of like these niche market little textile companies that kind of um, found this little niche and they managed to sort of survive and weather the storm and have become like nice industry companies now. But um, for the most part of it, it's small uh, family owned businesses. And that's kind of, you know, there's no opportunity for as a freelance textile designer or even possibly to be employed by a textile designer. If you look at the amounts of people coming out of universities, um, there's not enough jobs for them. So, I mean, I don't even know if the university that I studied at even offers textile design as a career anymore um, mm -hmm. because of, of, of 
of what what had happened there. Um, yeah, so I would I would say that there was a similar issue here in the U.S. and in the South, especially. I'm from Spartanburg, South Carolina, originally, which textiles was like the industry. Um, really? It's a small town, but it was the industry there, and still is. But a lot of the textile manufacturing did go overseas. Um, yeah. But we still have uh, plenty of, I mean, textile design jobs, you know, for designers. Mm. Um, so that was an issue. Like we have a good family friend who lost his job due to a lot of the manufacturing moving overseas. But we also have like big companies like Milliken, um, Mohawk, you know, some that are still manufacturing domestically, um, even some in North Carolina that are maybe moved to more of a print on demand type of. Yeah. So there are different, I mean, I don't know, everyone has kind of their own thing. But um, yeah, that's interesting and kind of sad. Do you follow uh, Lisa Glanz at all? She's also a South African illustrator. I'm not sure. No, I've got a list of all my <laughs> designers <laughs> that I actually follow that um, just yeah. sort of had a list of them so that I could chat to you about them. Um, I don't, but I will definitely get that name for listen back yeah. to you should, look her, you should look her up she's not a textile designer but she is an illustrator and has her own business um and she's on this podcast called the honest designers which is really good so cool yeah, I'll definitely that that. <laughs> the other thing that i noticed here when i when i started looking into this and i'm not even joking with you when i say i started looking into this about three weeks ago mm -hmm. i had this epiphany and um <laughs> The other thing that I have noticed is that there are a lot of sort of like your small indie brands that are, you know, your niche brands that are, like you say, they'll print a certain amount or you can you order two prints and stuff like that. And I mean, I don't know how or are they designing for themselves? Are they employing designers? Are they outsourcing that? How, you know, that's sort of where I'm stuck at. It's, there's like this jump between being able to actually design and produce designs and to who, where, and how do you approach them? And that's kind of where my disconnect is. And I think a lot of it is to do with, because I never studied in this country, I don't know the industry in this country, I don't know who the big players are, let alone the small players, and how to even go about establishing oneself with these corporations. Yeah. So there's so many different industries. Um, I guess the first question I would ask you is, um, are you looking to get a job with a company? Or are you looking more to be in licensing? Or are you looking to freelance? Because those are um, three pretty different things or pretty different goals to have. I think if it was a permanent employment, as long as it's from home. <laughs> okay. So honestly, if I have to answer honestly, I'm not in there to go and make a big fat salary and to make a huge name on myself. I'd like something that is sustainable. You know, if I land up making a decent salary off of it, that's great. Um, my husband does really well. So I, it's not like I'm in a situation where I have to go out and work. This is more about doing things that I'm passionate about and filling in the gaps because my kids are getting older. So, you know, I'd love this to become like a passive income thing. Um, but you know, that I don't get too tied down with doing one thing. So it probably freelancing <laughs> would, would. And did you say that you're in Nashville? Is that right? Yes. I'm in Nashville now. Are you, are you also open to like the illustration side of things or like maybe like gift and, um, stationary? Stationary, definitely. I've okay. actually been looking at um, this uh, Happy Planner group, like these people. Okay. There's another. 
there's another one out there as well that I was looking at. Um, illustrative wise, yes. Um, my kitty's game is strong there. So <laughs> the reason why I ask is because um, there's a really good company called C.R. Gibson in Nashville. Um, and they do work with freelancers. So I interviewed there a long time ago. Um, they're a really great company, more stationary and gift. But um, yeah. if you're doing that kind of design, uh, they're a great company. Um, I interviewed with them a long time ago, but I, they didn't hire me. Um, I was better suited for textiles. But um, yeah, so I mean, you should check them out and see if there is some freelance work you could do for them. Um, but otherwise, um, maybe we should just dive into the questions that you yes. have for me. I can put them on the screen, or if you have them in front of you, we can just. You can put them on the screen. I have got them in front of me, but if you want to do that. Okay, sure. Let I'm me fine with that too. Okay. All right. And did you do the design on top there? <laughs> I would love to take credit for that, but no, it was something that I did find, but I modified. <laughs> okay. It's really cute. I like it. <laughs> I liked it too. I didn't have time at the, at the point in time, but the actual logo, yes, that was me. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Um, okay. So do you need a specific portfolio then for specific parts of the industry? Um, I think because it's so huge, I mean, my understanding of, of the industry here is so limited. And when I first came here and started researching this, it was sort of blew my mind at how, how much is actually here in comparison to where I'm from. Mm -hmm. um, so I did watch your portfolio tutorial that you had on, and it did speak about, you did speak about um, modifying your portfolio for the client that you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I kind of got lucky because when I was applying for jobs, I really didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I, uh, I was, you know, 25 years, 26 years old. Um, I was working as a graphic designer, but I had majored in fine art and was an oil painter before that. So textile oh, wow. design was totally new to me. I didn't know anything about the industry. Um, and like I said, I interviewed at C.R. Gibson and would have loved yes. to work there, but they didn't hire me. Um, because my portfolio probably just wasn't, I mean, I, I basically didn't even really have a portfolio um, at that point in time. But um, I would say, yes, that the more specific you are with your portfolio, that's going to only help you and like give you a lot better chances. I know like as designers and as creatives, we kind of think that if someone interviewing us can see that we have this ability or this talent, then obviously it will apply to a variety yeah. of products. But Really, I mean, if they can actually see it spelled out in front of them and they can see mm. mock-ups of like your designs on their products, like that is going to sell your abilities better than anything yeah. just because they don't have to do that work of like thinking and like trying to envision it. I mean, yes, they can do that. But, you know, if I saw someone did uh, a cute like illustration of a greeting card, but I'm interviewing them for a rug design that, you know, that could be, it's not that yeah. they can't do it, but it's like, it might be a big learning curve, right? Yeah. So like they're trying to guess maybe what that learning curve would be. Um, and so if you can put your designs on their specific products, then that's just going to like make your interview and your portfolio that much stronger for them. And it doesn't mean that you can't put the same designs on like different products. If it, if it's yeah. you can totally do that. Like even like the little thing, um, 
your header that you have here over the flowers, like that could be, that's perfect for textiles, right? Yes, um, yes, but it could also, it could also be on a gift bag. You know, the, this is like mm -hmm. a pretty versatile pattern that could be on a lot of different products. Um, but yeah, I think that trying to be specific to the industry is only going to help you. I mean, did you find yourself actually refining your portfolio specifically for um, the textiles and away from illustrative or have you kind of balanced yourself in between? At this point in time or when I interviewed in past jobs? At this point in time, like if you look at your, your body of work now, is it sort of a nicely well balanced or did you go very specific? Are you still very specific into uh, textile? I mean, your surface design or... I, def um, I definitely design with textiles in mind for a lot of my designs, but not for everything because now I'm doing licensing. And so... Um, I think that a lot of times surface pattern design and illustration are kind of go hand in hand and a lot of artists do both mm -hmm. when they're doing licensing. Um, however, when I was applying for textile jobs in the past, like I didn't really show any illustration work. I only yeah. showed things that were relevant to textiles. But um, my ignorance, but can you define licensing for me? Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, so licensing is when you um, have your own business and yeah. you work for yourself and you either go to trade shows or you work with an agent. Okay. So you can do right. either one. So um, you still own the design and they pay you uh, to basically use your design. Yes. And the, okay. normally it's in the form of a royalty. Um, That's what we call it. I, d I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a royalty. Um, if you work with an agent, you split that royalty 50%, um, but they do a lot of the selling for you. So you don't actually have to reach out to companies. Um, they already have those relationships in place and can kind of gauge like where your designs, who your designs would fit with the best. So you're not like fumbling around in the dark, especially if you're new to the industry, uh, but they do take 50%. So that's something to consider. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. Okay. So, um, I think you did a podcast recently and I did ask you um, if you were going to re repost it on, I don't think it was a podcast. I think it was a short course um, on how to refine your style for your portfolio. Oh yeah. Um, I, I mean, it is one of my questions on you and I see, I think you, you I saw that on um, Instagram probably about a day after I sent you these questions and I was like, Oh man, I wish I'd watched that. And um because the other thing that I'm now finding, um, trying to get back into this is, um, who am I as a designer and what, what are, what, what makes me unique, um, as a designer. And I think defining one's style is really helpful. Um, I'd love for you to be able to post that, that video. <laughs> it's definitely something that I'd be interested in watching. Yes. I need to get the replay from Design Hill. Um, mm. I, I was a guest on their uh, webinar. So um, yeah, but I can ask them to get the replay and hopefully I'll be able to like post it to YouTube or something. Okay. So uh, I'm not going to ask, ask that question then because I think I'll wait for that to come out because <laughs> okay. I think it's a whole subject on its own. It's a whole subject. Yeah. And yeah. I would say that having your own style is super important if you mm. want to have your own business and especially if you want to go into licensing. Yes. However, if you're freelancing or if you want to kind of work full time for a company, it's not as important. Important, um, no, because you honestly want to show that you, you can be versatile if you're working for a company mm. and you know that you can do a range of styles. Yes, right? because they might have different projects come up for you, and you need. See, that's to how we were taught in uh, when at university we were taught to go in a certain style. Like if you're looking at designing toile 
you know, there is a very definite style in that, or are you looking at doing African, African, you know, sort of African geometric patterns? There's a definite style there. You can't really get your own sort of vibe going with, with something like that. I think for the most part, um, where you can really express yourself is either through illustrative work, like, you know, your kitty's illustrative work or florals or something like that. Um, freehand painting is definitely, um, but I mean, if you're looking at a jaguard, you, you can't really. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, standard. <laughs> so um, then the third question that I wanted to ask you is um, your clients, how did you initially identify them? Or I mean, if you, when you were in university, did you work with any of them that you, or is it just like a general knowledge in the industry here that people kind of know who the big guns are and, or is there a list, a magic list? <laughs> <laughs> so there is not one magic list. However, there are really easy ways to find out once you um, kind of know where to look. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe Shannon McNabb on Skillshare. Are you a member of Skillshare? I am. Okay. Uh, look at Shannon McNabb's classes. Um, and she, will, she has a good class on how to find clients. And if you go out and you're in the store um, and you see something like a greeting card, for example, and you look on the back and you see that an artist did it, yes. you know that, okay, this is a company I can reach out to because they are licensing artists, mm -hmm. right? Um, okay. Another way is to look at the attendees of trade shows. Um, so if you're wanting to be in home decor, for example, High Point Market is a really good one. Um, it really does kind of depend on which industry you're trying to sell to. Um, yes. High point is going to be mostly like the home decor. Mm. Um, however, if you wanted uh, to be in stationery or something like that, maybe uh, New York now, or um, I don't know, there's some different, you can research some different trade shows, but you can look at a list of like who attended the trade shows usually on their website. And you could potentially try to reach out to companies yes. that way. That's Sometimes, a good idea. Did not think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think it's just everything in the States is so much bigger. So it's like really overwhelming. Um, yeah. I was on a, another uh, tech or another surface design Facebook page and one of the women posted a artwork of hers and she's like, I'm just sort of starting out. I'm not really sure if I'm doing this right. So overwhelmed on how to actually get this out there. And I think a lot of us that are technically trained and stuff like that are, this is where we all sitting is mm -hmm. sort of this, overwhelming like okay so now i've got everything i've got my portfolio i've got everything what now um then obviously how do you approach these companies like are most of them open to being just approached like uh to i don't know a art director or um you know do you email them contact them send them a link to your portfolio um or do you actually work through like i know you've got an agency or an agent that you work through right yeah, so what I did is um, there's two ways of really going about it, I think, that, they're, that are the most effective and especially, like, time effective. Mm -hmm. um, and one is, to, is going to be to exhibit at a trade show because you're going to meet everyone who's walking the show and, and you know, attending the mm -hmm. show is looking for artwork, right? And so you're going to make contacts that way, and it's not going to be as awkward if you then email them. You can say, hey, we yes. met at Blueprint or we met at Surtex. Um, I have some new artwork for you and they're going to be a lot more receptive to that rather than you just sort of cold calling or cold emailing. You can yes. do that, but it might, it might take a lot more effort um, 
before they're actually like, okay, like I have five minutes today, let me open this email. And maybe you've already emailed them five times, which is really discouraging. Yeah. And I think artists aren't really necessarily the best salespeople all the time. No. <laughs> and we get really discouraged, like, oh, they didn't respond to my email, like crap, like they hate me or they hate yeah. my artwork, you know, and I'm being annoying. But like, that's why I went, that's why I ended up going with an agent because my agent is not afraid to do that. And I mean, yeah. I mean, I can do it, but like, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm not good at yeah. it. Um, I don't want to do it. So going to a yeah. trade show is one way to do it. If you have the money to do it, it does cost money. Like it's an investment yeah. to go to a trade show. Um, and you kind of have to make that investment maybe two or three times before, you know, you really, really, really get the yeah. benefits of it. Um, and sometimes I've heard also that buyers sometimes want to see that you're going to keep coming to the trade shows before they're really willing to work with you and that yeah. you're not just like a, you know, Love night. right, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I would say either go to a trade show or work with an agency that is going to be the fastest way to gain clients mm -hmm. An agency already has the relationships. Um, but you don't have to pay, you don't have to make that investment of going to a trade show because, uh, yeah. they go trade shows for you so kind of just However, the on that like you said the trade-off on that is they take a 50% cut exactly which you know what I mean <laughs> yeah it's a lot I mean it's a lot it just it just depends on um you know if how much you want to do yourself and if you want to yeah. take on that follow-up um sending clients once you've met them at a trade show sending them new work being really regular about that um and you can totally do that. A lot of artists work that way. I've talked to artists who are like very passionate about not using an agent, but I felt like it was the right thing for me to do just because yeah. I, um, I went to Blueprint and I was really glad that I went to Blueprint. I don't regret that at all. I made some really good contacts there, but I don't really have uh, the capital to continue going to trade shows. Yes. Texas coming up in February. If I had the capital to do that like maybe that's what I would have done but I'm just like I cannot spend another no because I mean time. these aren't all like in your local backyard either I would I would assume they're like in big um, big big places like New York or um, right. Las Vegas Las Vegas Atlanta yeah. um, and I can go I mean I'm close to Atlanta so I can go to that one but that's not really the biggest one for yeah. surface pattern design um, but it's still good, even if you're not exhibiting, if you're close enough where you can drive, it would still be good to go and just walk the show, talk to oh, people, yeah. meet other artists, you know, meet some people there. So that's always a good thing to do as well if you're able Is to. there a place where you can, like online, where you can actually find textile shows? Or do you have, um, like, I don't know, do you, does one just search textile shows in the US or? Yeah, you could definitely try to search that. Um, I, I mean, because I worked in textiles, I was exhibiting with the company I worked for. So I kind of just know from being in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, but High Point, if you wanted to write them down, High Point, North Carolina is a big one for home decor. Um, Atlanta Market has a lot of different shows. So that's a good one. They do twice a year. Uh, Las Vegas is a good one, like you said. Um, in surface pattern design, Blueprint and Surtex are the biggest ones. And they are in New York. Blueprint is also in San Francisco, but I heard that one was like maybe not as strong as New York. Um, yeah. I mean, it could be different every year, but yeah. Um, and then if, let me see if there are any other ones. I think that's pretty much the bulk of it. Yeah. Um, 
See, the and only I, ones that I was ever exposed to were in Europe. Um, so there's a massive one. I think it's called Hermitex, and that's in Europe, in Germany. Um, oh, with, Heimtex. Is it Heimtex? Heimtex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to that one when I was working for the uh, bed linen company in South Africa, and I'm talking like 98. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and that was mind-blowing. Um, I mean... I think we walked half of half of the halls there and it just blew my mind that mount and the, the quality, the quality of design and the quantity of it was just, but it wasn't just designers that were exhibiting there. It's big mills from China, Pakistan, all over Europe and stuff like that. And that was incredible. Um, I'm, I'm not expecting that in at uh, blueprints or Sotex by no means, but <laughs> it might be a really great place to just go and have a look. I think um, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, no, the, I've been to Heimtex and that is definitely more uh, the manufacturing side of things, I would yeah. say. Um, and Surtex and Blueprint are more just surface pattern design, which I don't awesome. think that the Chinese, I don't no. know, I, I didn't really see anyone at Blueprint that was, um, you know, from over, you know, in the Chinese market or Indian market or Pakistan. Um, I did see some buyers that were there that were from some of the Chinese markets and they were looking for buyouts on that blueprint. So, okay. yeah. Um, and then, so obviously um, you first started working for somebody. And my next question was, is when did you actually start like your Etsy shop? Was that something that you did on the side? Was <laughs> it, the, is it somewhere where you would recommend somebody to start? Like how does that tail into your career? Yeah, I kind of have funny feelings about Etsy at this point in time. I, uh, I started my Etsy shop just really as an outlet because I was very miserable in my graphic design job. Like I was really working for a crazy person, um, but I didn't really feel like I had. Oh, yeah. He literally <laughs> like stalked our social media accounts, like oh. would make us like friend people that he was interviewing and try to like find bad pictures on them to see if he wow. wanted to hire them or not. Just like great. I mean, he was insane. Um, yeah, I had a narcissist, so I'm, I, I get you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was very manipulative, very like, you need to be loyal to this company, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know, he was, he was a manipulator. Um, but anyway, I just, yeah, it was up and down every day. And so it was very much an emotional roller coaster. People got fired all the time for like nothing. Um, so you never felt like secure. Uh, but on top of that, like, even if I wasn't working for a crazy person, I just kind of realized that graphic design wasn't really like what I wanted to be doing so much, but I didn't really know what else to do because I was a painter and yeah. I just thought like everyone thinks like, Oh, like if I can't paint or if I don't want to teach or be a professor, mm -hmm. um, or go to grad school, like I had already spent enough money on college. Yes. Or, like I can't, you know take out a hundred grand in loans just to like become a <laughs> professor you know maybe if I was going to med school it would like pay off but not you know in the field of art so no. I didn't do that uh, so I thought okay well I'll just do graphic design like what else is there I really didn't know um, and so I did graphic design and it it was just kind of like well I, I think it'll still be creative enough but I just uh -huh. wasn't loving it and so then it was about that time I think this was about maybe 2010 2011 and so I started, you know, Etsy was starting to really gain, gain some traction at that point. You know, uh, Facebook was becoming bigger. This is like this whole age of the internet where like things, you know, Pinterest was invented around this time. 
So we were like, oh my God, like there are all these artists and like, what are they doing? How did they get that career? Like what they're drawing patterns, like what? <laughs> and like, I, that's kind of how I discovered textile design uh, because my yeah. college didn't ever talk about it. Like it wasn't, I went to a liberal arts college. They had an art major, but like that wasn't really a viable career path, yeah. you know, for someone to be hired directly out of school. And so, yeah, I was doing graphic design and that's how I discovered textile design. Uh, I discovered a lot of textile designers via Etsy. Um, mm -hmm. And so I started my own Etsy shop, but I felt like it can't be competitive to my day job because mm -hmm. my boss was crazy and he would have probably fired me if he knew I had, you know, did anything at all similar, even though it wouldn't have been yeah. competitive. Um, but so I started doing more like stationery and greeting cards on my Etsy shop. That's how I started yeah. out. And it was just an outlet and it was really good for a while. You know, like a lot of people bought mm -hmm. my stuff and um, then it kind of evolved and I was doing more like avatars and character designs, which I still do. Um, I still sell like clip art from that. So I ended up creating like clip art designs. Say that again. I did see that on your website. So I was like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of random when you know, I'm a textile designer. It probably looked <laughs> kind of random. I'm always struggling with, do I need to like niche down more? Is this like confusing customers and stuff? Yes. But, um, but yeah, I do both. Um, but as of right now, I feel like Etsy is extremely saturated. Yes. So I, I don't really make, I don't know, honestly, like I feel like Etsy charges too much and I'm not even doing any marketing or advertising on their site anymore. Mm -hmm. And I still feel like they charge me just, and I don't really even know what it's for. Like, I'm sure they could tell me, but I'm like, I don't even understand what I'm getting charged for. And I don't even always make that many sales anymore. Yeah. So administrative fees. Yeah. And so <laughs> I don't, do you have an Etsy shop as well or um, no, I was humming and hawing about it because one of the other little sidetrack things that I was looking into was doing, you know, it's so much easier to do sort of t-shirt design and have that one-off sort of illustration on t-shirt design. And Americans are crazy for t-shirts. Like, it <laughs> has blown my mind. You guys are like, hey, we're going on a camp. Let's make a t-shirt. We're going there. Let's make a t-shirt. <laughs> I think because in South Africa, we at schools are forced to wear school uniforms, okay. you know, any sort of like group thing that we have to wear something that looks the same. We're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're over that. That's funny. <laughs> no, so, um, my mom actually was saying to me the other day, well, why don't you do that? Because they'll definitely buy something that you put on a t-shirt. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I looked at, I think it's Bonfire that actually creates uh, that print shirts. And I was thinking maybe I should do something along those lines. And would it be worth my while creating an Etsy shop? Where else would you sell something like that, that markets like a generated, um, you know, it's like everybody knows Etsy. Everybody goes to look for stuff on Etsy. It's one of the first things that pop up when you search for like customized things. Is it worth your while doing something like that? I don't know. Like, if you're wanting to get into textiles or as surface design, is it even worth your while going that route? I, like, this is why I wanted to ask you the question. Yeah. Like, My opinion is no, only because if you're going to get into selling physical products and I've tried this, like I've, <laughs> I've tried to sell some t-shirts. I didn't, I mean, I didn't like go all out or anything, but um, I tried to sell some t-shirts. I also like tried to have an, a whole yoga mat business. Cause I was like, <laughs> how could you designs for yoga mats? Right. And I literally bought 500 yoga mats. I worked with a guy on Alibaba from China and like they produced them. 
I bought them and I quickly realized that like, if you're going to sell physical products, the majority, 95% of your time is going to be on inventory, logistics, uh, selling, marketing. No. And like 5% design. And so if you want to be a designer and like, that's what you want to spend most of your time doing, I would say don't sell physical products. Yeah. And on Etsy, it's going to be physical products. A lot of your time is going to be spent on shipping, packaging, the t-shirts, um, reordering, you know, if they're selling is, well. This is kind of what I'm realizing is, is that if, if, you know, this is part of the defining your career, you know, and defining who you are and, you know, just talking to you about stuff like this is really helping me sort of get the order right in my head because I think one of my biggest problems has been is, is like, I've got so many ideas yeah. and like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I am literally writing them down like next to my bed at night. Like, oh, this would be a great idea to do. I mean, even cake decorating came up in my, <laughs> don't go there. Yeah. Um, my point is, is that you know, there's so many little avenues that you like, I call them rabbit holes because literally you are like Alice in Wonderland going down these little rabbit holes. Oh yeah. What I'm trying to look for is like a, if this is what I want to do, where are my pitfalls? And like, where are the things that are like energy suckers? Cause what I want right now is something that is going to give me a smooth path from A to B and keep on a very focused path as well. Um, right. and I'm trying to cull all the rubbish ideas in my mind of, you know, the possible, and I call them get rich quick schemes because, <laughs> you know, they get marketed to you. Like Etsy is marketed to a great platform. You can sell stuff and, you know, it's, you know, minus all the PT and actually it lands up being 90% admin and 10, you know, like 10% creative. And, that's what I don't want. I think that's the one thing in my mind I'm very clear on. Um, and it's good to hear, I get aff like affirmation from you that my, my thoughts and my, my thought pattern on, is it worth me doing something like that? And you've just given me like affirmation on like, actually calm and don't waste your time. Um, yeah, I've tried it. So I'm glad that helps you. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone's different and one of my favorite YouTubers is this uh, girl named Catherine, but her channel is called Catnip with a K. And yes. you should totally check her out as well. Um, she does Etsy and she sells a lot of stickers. Um, she's still creative with it, but she's hired two people to do all the shipping and packaging <laughs> for her. Um, so you should watch her channel because that'll give you a good insight. She does a lot of studio vlogs. Yes. So that'll give you some insight into like what her daily life is like running an Etsy shop. Um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that, it just wasn't for me. So it's not to say that, you know, some people wouldn't be happy doing that, but like, I literally don't want to fool with any of that stuff. Um, yeah. I just want to be able to focus on the designing and like, whether that's in, you know, just the surface pattern design. I love that aspect as well. I also love the textile design, which has a little bit more of product development in it, as I'm sure, you know, from university, yes. but, um, that's also extremely creative. Um, but those are two kind of yeah. different fields, um, I would say, or different job functions that maybe you're going to have one more with a company and one more with, you know, working on your own, um, unless you are going to sell your own products, but yeah. unless you have that the, that the effort that you put into, and I mean, my, my whole idea was, okay, so I'll design the stuff. I'll find like a vendor that can actually print and post it. And all I do is be like the 
here's my design. Let me go onto that website, have them print it and ship it to you. And, but I'll sell it on Etsy. That was kind of like my thinking. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, actually, this is like a lot more PT than what is necessary. Yeah. I think that there are a lot of, um, like husband and wife teams that end up dividing responsibilities that way. <laughs> like well, I think my husband will divorce me if I have to work with him. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't want to work with my husband either. No. But I think that um, like Justina Blakeney does that. Like she does all the creative and then her husband now works for her and does all the logistics and like yes. all that kind of stuff. Um, but I would say that that would work if you were willing to kind of go into business with a partner. It doesn't have to be yeah. your husband, but if you found like the perfect kind of sales partner or math partner or logistics mm. partner, then somebody that likes to do the admin junk. Yes. Then yeah, that, could be, that could be viable, but you know, you really have to trust someone to be, uh, to be a business partner and really yeah. find the right person or be willing to hire someone. So then you would need the startup capital to do that. Hey everyone, so our conversation is definitely not over, but my podcast application literally won't let me um, upload an episode that's this long because we actually talk for another 40 minutes. And so if you're into this episode, be sure to tune in next week. And while you're here, um, it would really mean so, 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 so much to me if you went onto iTunes and left a rating and a review of this podcast. It really helps us get found so that other people can find the podcast. All right, guys, uh, tune in next week for the rest of this episode. Love you guys. Happy holidays.